0: Winston Ho is an historian researching the many aspects of Chinese culture and its influence, especially in New Orleans. Of course, this includes its influence on food. Thanks to all of you who listen to Tip of the Tongue. If you enjoy it, please rate us and leave comments where you listen to podcasts. Now let's listen to Winston Ho discuss the early mentions of yakomain on Chinese menus. It's on Tip of the Tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink. And museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Winston Ho. Winston is a graduate student and he is doing a lot of research about the Chinese immigrants into New Orleans and the rest of the United States. And he's here today because he's been researching Yakamein. Welcome, Winston.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: So since we're going to talk about this, tell me how you got involved in this kind of research.
1: Okay, so basically what it is is that after Katrina, there used to be a music store over at Jazz Fest. And when they started doing Jazz Fest again after Katrina, the Borders ended up taking it over that store. And I worked there. I worked at Borders, uh, the Borders music tent at Jazz Fest for the the two years that they were over there. Uh, This was right after Katrina. And when I was on my lunch break, I saw this stand in the food court area, which was uh, it said Yakaman on it, and uh, that was Linda Green's Yakaman stand Uh, didn't know what it was it seemed interesting, I tried it out so I do have the distinction of being I guess one of the first people to try out Linda Green's yakamein was, and Was uh, that
0: her first year? At, I think uh, because
1: as I recall there was a year before that before Borders was there. I think they were there in 2006 and I think Linda Green was there that early. Okay. Uh but uh yeah I mean it was tasty. I I, I enjoyed it but I it whatever it was it was definitely not Chinese. I was definitely expecting something else. But later on when I went back to college and I took Michael Mizel Nelson's New Orleans history class, one of the first classes I took when I went back to UNO. He asked me, it's like, have, because uh, Mizel Nelson is a famous food historian as well, among other things. He did research on the origin of the boy sandwich. And he asked me, have you heard of this thing called yakamein? And I said, I had heard of it. I, I tasted it, but I had no idea what it was. And I even specifically remember telling him, you know, it's like, I don't even know how to even research this. I don't even know what methodology I would use. But I kept what Mizel Nelson asked me, you know, what is yakamein in the back of my head? All these years, when I lived in Taiwan, for example, I, I went out of my way to look for something that kind of resembles yakamein, and I was successful. I actually did find a lot of noodle soups out there, and I did actually find a noodle soup that had a, boiled, a hard-boiled egg in it, just like yakamein. And in particular, I've been looking at uh, historic restaurant menus There are these menu collections in libraries and archives around the country. There's two of them here in New Orleans, one at Tulane and one at the New Orleans Public Library. So they have these Chinese restaurant menus there. And Yakamein is on the menu in New Orleans going back to the 1950s. Uh, In New York City, there's one in the New York Public Library that's from 1904 in San Francisco. There's one from the 1930s. They're in the UNLV. The University of Nevada has... Nevada at Las Vegas, they have menus from all the casinos, historic casinos from the 1950s. Yakamein is on their menu, and also historic photographs. So I've got a historic photograph from New Orleans, from the New Orleans Chinatown from 1918, I think, or 1916, uh, Ben Hao Long Restaurant, and Yakamein was written next to their door because they had their menus next to their door. So, yeah, I mean, I just kept finding all this Historic stuff about Yakamein.
0: So, what is New Orleans Yakamein?
1: Okay, so basically, it's a noodle soup, and it always has a boiled egg in it, a hard boiled egg, and usually, uh, like some other protein in it, like some like maybe pork or or beef or chicken. Is uh, it sliced or shredded? Um, it's all it's 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 all different. Uh, I would have to say. Probably, I've, I've probably seen mostly sliced. Uh, but, yeah, it's, there's, it's like Linda Green developed a vegetarian yakamein, so that exists. Other than the fact that it's a noodle soup and it's got an egg in it, there's all these other varieties of yakamein. And that was the other problem that I, I had to deal with. I remember uh, they I used to live in Gentilly, which is where the University of New Orleans is. And I think I went to the second year that they had Gentilly Fest. Again, this is something they did after Hurricane Katrina because that whole neighborhood was pretty in pretty bad shape when I was there. But I went to Gentilly Fest, and, you know, what happened is that Yakamein has become a kind of festival food in this city. So one of the places you often find it is in places like Yakamein, is in places like Gentilly Fest. And the Yakamein that they had over there was like drinking soy sauce. It was just so salty. And I've had other types of Yakamein that are just very spicy. So, you know, it's, you know, again, it's like not something... The Chinese would ever do the the Chinese would not normally put that much s- sauce into much of anything, really. And so. it's
0: and it probably doesn't have a long long tradition of developing either.
1: Apparently not. Uh, it doesn't seem to be something that's from China. So my best guess is that uh, there's actually another historian. I think it's Andrew Ko. I think he wrote one of the the Chop Suey books, but he described Yakimain as one of the uh, the Trinity in the Chinese restaurants that were around before the Second World War, along with chop suey and uh, chow mein. So chop suey, chow mein, and yakamein. You would see those three menu items showing up over and over again. And the origin of chop suey is also disputed. There, there's a lot of debate as to whether chop suey is Chinese at all or whether it's, it's something that was invented in this country, along with a number of other surprising things like egg rolls, I was surprised to find that egg rolls are not on any of the historic <laughs> menus. So apparently egg rolls are also an American invention, and fortune cookies are an American invention. So I think that's what yakamein is as well. My best guess right now is that yakamein is some sort of improvised noodle soup that the Chinese developed in the 1800s. They would take whatever ingredients they had available. So they didn't have access to authentic, say, Chinese mushrooms, for example, that they like to put in soups or the authentic Chinese noodles, so they would use spaghetti noodles and whatever ingredients that they could buy just locally, and they made it into a noodle soup. And that's also probably what chop suey is and what chow mein is as well. Th- that's my working theory, at least.
0: Well, so there are, there are lots of noodle bowls right. and noodle soups all over Asia yep. that have sort of distinguished themselves somewhat by local geographic limitations and changes and things like that. The noodles are different right. and things like that. But, you know, this is this is a place, America is a place without long, long traditions. And so we can do anything we want.
1: Yes, but also uh, what it is is that America is also a country full of immigrants and, and people from other places, and all of them – bring something with them into this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so America is also this mixture of all these these culinary traditions from all over the world and they all sort of come together and, and people pick and choose what, whatever they think tastes good and, and you end up with basically the cuisine that we have now. I mean, for whatever reason Americans like to make sandwiches out of everything. So, I mean, that's basically what a hot dog is. It's, it's a sausage in sandwich form. A hamburger is a, a beef patty in, in sandwich form. So, yeah, it's like all these different people from all and that's why you have all these different kinds of sandwiches all over the country as well. They've their sandwiches are different in Philadelphia, they're different in New York, they're different here in New Orleans. Right. So, yeah.
0: And also people who bring all these traditions with them find what you were describing and that is that all the ingredients aren't available. Yep. And so they have to make do.
1: You have to improvise.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it, it's kind of the thing though, it, because one of the things You know, it's like New Orleanians like to believe that Yakamein belongs to the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what happened later on, it's like, I think what it is, is in Linda Green's case, it's like Yakamein was always known in the African-American community here in this city. So they didn't have to discover it. But Linda Green, because she was at Jazz Fest, and, you know, the funny thing about Jazz Fest is that people discover things at Jazz Fest, things that... You know, it's like they'd always been around, but then because people all over the country and really all over the world go to Jazz Fest, people just sort of find these things. And that's what happened to Yakamein. So people all over the country started hearing about this thing in New Orleans called Yakamein. And as they went back home, they were starting to find Yakamein where they came from. So people were finding Yakamein in New York. People were finding it in Virginia and Canada in all these other places. In places they didn't know it was, but it was. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. uh, In one of the things that happened is that Southern Foodways Alliance over at the University of Mississippi, uh, they interviewed Linda Green. But I'm not exactly sure how, but they found out that there's something called yawk in the Tidewater, Virginia area, which is basically coastal Virginia. And African-Americans over there really like this thing called yawk which is served in the Chinese restaurants that they have over there, Chinese restaurants that cater to the black community. And, uh, yeah, it's like when Southern Foodways Alliance was interviewing people, it was pretty obvious that yak is the same thing as yakamein. A A little bit different, but it has the boiled egg in it. It's a noodle soup. So all the things that make a yakamein a a -a yakamein. And people have been finding this in uh, Canada as well. There's a company up there that makes yakame noodles, which apparently is just a modified... Spaghetti. <laughs> it's, it's egg noodles. So, oh, yeah. that's interesting. It is interesting that they make something that is specifically labeled, I think, what, whatever it is, it's like y- yakame noodles. Uh, also in uh, Minneapolis, there's a, there's a book there that has all the historic restaurants in Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's a historic Chinese restaurant there, and they Yakamein is on one of their menus. And when they did the oral history with uh, that person in, in Minneapolis, he identified Yakamein as being the same thing as longevity noodles, or yimian. Now, the funny thing is that we actually know exactly what yimian is. It's called longevity noodles because it's like a single strand of noodle. So it's a, no- it's a no- bowl of noodle soup, but it's actually one strand of noodle. And uh, you eat that for... In the hopes of living a long life. But I actually think that that's uh, one, uh, I think that's basically an example of people like confusing different things together. Like Lo Main gets confused with Chow Main as well, even though in the Chinese language these are actually two uh, different ideas. Lo Main has a very specific definition in the Chinese language. So, I mean, what it is on a lot of the historic menus is that Yaku mein and something called War Main appear together on the menus. And I think. Gorming is basically uh, the a plate version. Of, it's not a noodle soup. It's just a plate version of, of noodles. So whatever the noodles really are, uh, yeah. So it's 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 unclear what kind of noodles people were using, but yeah, it it, it usually will say something. will because there are descriptions in these menus, mm-hmm. and the descriptions will say it's egg noodles and uh, with a boiled egg.
0: So I I just wanted to let people know since we're talking about Linda Green who Linda Green is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and you you may need to interview her as well. Uh, oh, at some absolutely. Point. yes. But uh, yeah, Linda Green was a public school teacher, a public school uh, cook. So she was cooking in the Orleans Parish Public School System, and the uh, because of the hurricane, most of the public schools in Orleans Parish were were basically all those teachers got furloughed. All their students were scattered. All over the country, she still needed money to to support her family. So that's when she started serving her family's secret recipe for Yakamein at various festivals. And she's been doing that ever since. In fact, the last time I talked to her, she was talking about how she was putting one of her, I think, nephews or something through college. So she still needs the money now.
0: And she's been been called the Yakamein lady. Yes, and she's
1: become something of a local celebrity. She told me that she's been on Food Network a couple of times as a a celebrity chef. So I'm not sure how famous she is around the country, but definitely in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is a place where you can be a a celebrity chef, and they're they're really quite famous in this city. So we've got quite a few celebrity chefs, but yeah.
0: And so... How would you describe her yakamein?
1: It's delicious. It's one of, it's definitely I think one of the best in the city. You know, the funny thing is that you're know, looking at all these historic menus, an important part of that story is is how because this idea of African Americans as being the consumers of yakamein.
0: And and right. so t- tell us the story of yakamein in the city and the the origin story and uh, the kind of um hangover aspects of it and all that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the best explanation for that is that Yakamain is something that existed in all these different Chinatowns all over the country. And again, New Orleans had a Chinatown. So, we had this Chinatown here in the city. It was at the end of Tulane Avenue. Backatown is next to Chinatown, which is a predominantly African-American neighborhood. Louis Armstrong grew up in in Backatown, and we know that Louis Armstrong frequented uh, these Chinatown restaurants when he was a kid growing up in the city. So somehow Meina, uh transferred from the Chinese community into the African-American community of the city and basically became a part of soul food cuisine, soul food and afro creole cuisine in New Orleans. And maybe this happened in a lot of other places or maybe it entered the black community through New Orleans and they brought it with them all to the rest of the country. I'm not sure. Uh, there are I've got a couple, basically the easiest explanation for that how that happened is that yakamein is very easy to make. I asked June Lee from Golden Dragon one time why she didn't have yakamein, and she said, well, anybody who can boil water can make yakamein. So the easiest explanation is that African Americans really like what they were 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 having in the Chinese restaurants and tried to make it themselves. And uh, you ended up with this creolization process. And so you ended up with a distinctly African-American version of Yakamein that's very different from the Chinatown version of Yakamein. Although the census schedules do also make it apparent that there was intermarriage between the Chinese and black community back at the turn of the century. So it does make me wonder if there's more going on here than just African-Americans copying the Chinese that maybe there's actually a kind of blending of the two culinary traditions. That's a possibility as well. We may never really know exactly how that happened. In any case, yeah, it's like Creole Yakamein goes off in its own direction. That's what you get. That's the most common form of Yakamein you get here in New Orleans, just this version of Yakamein that's that's catered specifically for African-American tastes. And how is it different? It's uh, definitely a lot saltier, a lot spicier. If you try out a lot of the in, just noodle soups that they have in China, they rely much more on the natural flavors of whatever the ingredients are. Like the broth, for example, a lot of the flavor comes out of the broth. Cantonese cooking in particular is like that. And bear in mind that most of the early immigrants to the United States, like over 90% of them, they were Cantonese. So much of the early cuisine that we have in this, this country that you see in, in these restaurants, it is basically Cantonese cooking. So whatever the original Chinatown yakimain was, it it would be probably much more like what Cantonese cooking is. And the other funny thing is that uh, later in history, other groups of immigrants come from other parts of China. So immigrants from Hong Kong, immigrants from Taiwan, they hear about this thing called Uh Customers are asking for it. Customers are saying, well, it's a noodle soup with a boiled egg in it. So that's why you, when you go to Chinese restaurants now, you get another kind of yakimain. this modern Chinese yakamein, which has lots of, lots of vegetables in it, like lots of mixed vegetables. And I don't think yakamein originally had that, but the Chinese are trying to make a kind of noodle soup that they think customers will enjoy based on, you know, what they're used to having. I mean, those mixed vegetables, it, they have those in like a, a tub, and if you order... Uh, like just the uh, like beef and broccoli or something, they they take those <clears throat> mixed vegetables and they toss them in. So they just have that, and mm-hmm. I think that's what they toss into the yakimai as well. Just those, the carrots and the peas. Uh, these are very Western ingredients, by the way. They they don't normally use all this, and they don't normally use all this in in Chinese cuisine either.
0: So what happened to this story of african american soldiers during the korean war bringing <laughs> back yakamine where did that come from
1: what it is is that when i started doing this research one one of the things that i did is that i i think i punched in Yakamein on Wikipedia and there are all these different stories about Yakamein being related to the Vietnamese and, and related the Vietnamese, to the Vietnamese yes not they the thought Koreans? they thought it was related to fa and then there was another theory about it being related to the Vietnamese and then there was a another theory that it wasn't Asian at all that it was completely from the African-American community no connection to the to any group of Asians so all these different theories and I think all of these people were just sort of guessing with what limited information that they had I mean when you look at the case of the African, that theory is that African-Americans had served in the Korean War, mm-hmm. and they brought back knowledge of this back to uh, back to the U.S., just the knowledge of noodle soups. Mm-hmm. But there are multiple problems with this. Uh, I'm not really sure how where the mien comes from, because that's a Chinese word. Uh, I don't know what that is, what uh, wheat noodles are in Korean. But I mean, the African-Americans had also served in China during the Second World War. In fact, they had it probably would have encountered Chinese in the First World War as well, since uh, ch- the Chinese were employed by the British and the French uh, digging trenches. In fact, they would have encountered the Vietnamese during the First World War. Uh, so really, Af- and really before that, the African Americans would have encountered the Chinese out out in the West building the railroads. So there are any number of places where African Americans could have encountered noodle soup. So any of those theories could be true. But and, the and there theory, were Chinese,
0: yeah. they were Chinese. They were Chinese. People in the New Orleans area, too.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, my research, again, is specifically based on historic sources. So I've got historic photographs, I've got uh, historic menus, and now I'm, I'm starting to look at historic cookbooks to see if Yakimain is showing up there. And I do have one. I do have one historic menu from a, a Chinese cookbook from the 1960s, although uh, in his case, Jeannie Tong, the person who wrote that cookbook, he had been in New Orleans since 1943, so he had had restaurants in the city since the 40s. And apparently he was the son and grandson of of cooks that had been in the United States. So presumably these recipes are very old. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: And so how different is the recipe from what Linda Green cooks?
1: It's very simple. It does have soy sauce in it, but not much. It doesn't have a lot of spices in it. Definitely in the case of these uh, Creole they they do have a tendency to have these very... Strong, bold flavors in them, very salty, very spicy. Linda Green's recipe is apparently a secret. So it's kind of like Popeye's recipe or or the Coca-Cola recipe. It's in a safe somewhere. So nobody, nobody else has it other than maybe her and I guess maybe one other person. In fact, one of the things that Linda Green talked about uh, when I spoke to her is how a lot of people in the black community will take their recipes to the grave because they don't want anybody else to have it. And every time that happens, a little bit of that heritage gets lost. So that's one of the reasons why she made sure to, you know, I I think. She's documented it, even
0: if it's not distributed.
1: And that recipe, again, that's a secret family recipe that was handed to her by her mother. And presumably that, that recipe came from her mother. So I don't know how many generations back this Yakamein recipe goes. Again, like I said, it's like, you kind of wonder exactly how did this get started? Are, are we really talking about them copying these recipes, or are there is there actually Chinese ancestry in some of these families? So I I'm not sure. More research needs to be done.
0: So is this something you can ever get to the bottom of?
1: Well, what I have been looking at like these census schedules. I am trying to contact some of these families that that you know maybe have Chinese ancestry. And by the way, it wasn't just the Chinese. Uh, Filipinos, uh, South Asian, Bengalis, you know, these immigrants were predominantly men. They were intermarrying with local women. Some of them were other immigrants, say from Ireland. Some of them were just local women, white women from the United States and also local African-American women. And this is all happening in the middle of segregated New Orleans, by the way. So, you know, these are all people at the these are all I think one of the reasons this happens is because Back in those days, a lot of these Chinese are in the laundry business in mm-hmm. addition to being the restaurant business. So they're at the lowest level of society. They're just working-class people. They're encountering these women who are working-class women. A lot of them are, are working in the service industry as well. So, yeah, sometimes people just fall in love, and they don't really care about what society thinks about their relationship. And, the, mm-hmm. and so we have a lot of African-Americans today with Chinese ancestry. We've got people that, that are that consider themselves Italian – but they also consider themselves part Chinese as well. So mm-hmm. you just have all these different mixtures, and there is a possibility that yakamein is a product of that. So I'm, I'm not sure yet. So maybe one day we'll find somebody with a, a, a person who identifies as African-American and Chinese, and they've got this yakamein recipe that's been handed down for generations. So it, who knows? It would
0: be very interesting if you could find a Chinese cookbook written in China that has a yakamein recipe in it, Yeah, maybe 19th century or something. Yeah,
1: it would be interesting, but I, I kind of wonder. It, it it does seem like it would be very unlikely. <laughs> so, <laughs> Again, like I said, it's like I, I don't think this was something that was really Chinese. In fact, one of the menus that I found out of San Francisco, it's one of those, uh, it, it has a Chinese menu, and then it has a bilingual menu that's in both Chinese and English. And yakamein is not on the Chinese menu at all. It's on the English menu. So it, it says Yakimain in English and then it says Jing Mian in Chinese, which I'm interpreting as being clear broth noodles. So it's not it's not actually like yakamein spelled out in Chinese. It's actually Jing Mian in Chinese. But yeah, so again it's it's that part of the menu that was specifically meant for Western customers, not the Chinese customers. So yeah, it's not Chinese. So apparently and, and
0: what's the date of that menu?
1: I think from the nineteen twenties or nineteen thirties. Okay, so, so yeah.
0: pre-World War II for yep, sure. definitely.
1: So again, it's like the Chinese, once the Chinese have access to authentic Chinese noodles and, and dried mushrooms that they can ship from China, there isn't really a need for these sort of improvised dishes, uh, things like chop suey and and, uh, and and yakame. So eventually these items disappear from the Chinese menus. The, the Chinese themselves aren't consuming them they're not really popular with most Americans because Americans have things like like sweet and sour chicken and general sauce so chicken and
0: right. things like that. So <laughs> there's
1: not really you know, a lot of like the chop suey's. A lot of the chop suey's come across as being very bland by modern standards. So they're just not as it, they still exist on some on some restaurant menus, but they're definitely not as common as they used to be. So, you know, again, this is one of those cases where, you know, African-Americans or there was once a time when everybody ate yakamein, but what happened is that I think everybody stopped eating it except African Americans. And the reason the American African Americans are still eating it is because they created their own version of it.
0: Right. So tell me one more thing. What does it have to do with hangovers?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's because at one point in time, what it is is that the new Orleans Chinatown was destroyed by the WPA in the ni- in 1937 during the depression. And when that happened, a no- uh, a lot of the Chinese businesses that were in the original Chinatown moved to Bourbon Street. And there were a number of other Chinese businesses in the French Quarter at the time, but it was really in the 1940s that you start seeing all these Chinese restaurants popping up in the French Quarter. Uh, They all serve noodle soups. And so I think it was at that time that Yakimin gains this reputation as the secret hangover cure of the French Quarter. They, They called it Old Sober. And in fact, there's one place in particular, it's, uh, it changed its name a couple of times, but it's uh, Dan's International, I think they called it Dan's Pier, Pier 600 or something at, at one point, but uh, it's the uh, co-owners of that restaurant were Chinese, and I think they ran the kitchen. So apparently this was a, a, a New Orleans lounge and bar where Pete Fountain and Al Hurt used to perform, and they served Chinese noodles, and it was on Bourbon Street. And that's one of those places that, that you know, it's like, it, yeah, it's uh, people use it as a hangover cure. And there were a number of other places. I think Fong's Decatur was open, like, into 3 three in the morning or something. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, apparently, that's how that happened. I'm not really sure. I guess if you have food in your stomach or something, that helps with hangovers. And plus, it's a... Uh, plus, you can yeah, have
0: another drink while you're having I your guess. Job. I mean, in the
1: African-American community, it, some of them treat it like chicken noodle soup. So of food for people that are sick uh, mm-hmm. because it's easy, easy, easy to digest. So, you know, it's interesting to see how Yakimae, you know, no matter how it started out, definitely New Orleans ended up having this very special relationship with Yakimae where it means all these different things to all these people in the city. So, so it may not be from New Orleans, but I think it is safe to say that New Orleans does own its own version of Yakimae. So it is part of the culture here now. now.
0: And so when you've done your, studies around the country right. so did you have you found any other little pockets of yakimane where it's as important as it is here
1: Yeah, definitely tide walker yak uh, definitely the people over in virginia and once again it is the black community in virginia and it's very similar to what they have here it's it they thought they thought they invented it and they also use it as a, i think as a as a
0: a as hangover a, remedy. I'm
1: not sure, but I, I, they use it as a cure for. I think they do use it as a cure for the common cold. Again, I think one of the reasons why it's so popular with the black community is because a new. It's this is a meal. A, it's right. a noodle soup, and like traditional Chinese noodles, that's an entire meal. It's cheap. It's filling. It's delicious. So
0: yeah, and it's made with spaghetti. Also,
1: um, apparently, there was another factory that made noodles over there, and that's what they made. Yakumeinata, the, the egg noodles that they manufacture over there. And the interesting thing about that is that we had a factory, uh, the Gendwal Company. Okay, the Gendwa Company. So uh, what it is is that the, the Lila Singh, I think was his name, and he, Lila Singh or something like that, but he developed a process for m- mass-producing macaroni, uh, dried macaroni, and he started making pasta. But and, uh, that's not yeah. an egg noodle. Apparently, egg noodles was one of the things that they made. Okay, and I think Yakamein is made was made out of those egg noodles here in New Orleans. But the story behind Genoa is that they wanted to name their company after the city of Genoa, but they didn't know how to spell Genoa in English, so they spelled it phonetically from its Chinese pronunciation, and you ended up with Genoa. And it was on Decatur Street. They it was this this factory on uh, it was this Chinese owned pasta factory on on Decatur Street and most of their clients were Italian so they produced all these Italian noodles and they produced egg noodles for for Yakumin, and they also produced something called, uh, called I think crispy noodles during the second world war and yeah I, I guess the crispy noodles that you had in the Chinese restaurants that they serve. Mm-hmm. As an appetizer, I guess maybe they introduced it. I don't know.
0: But did they make rice noodles or um, buckwheat noodles or anything like that? No,
1: most of the noodles that they produced were spaghetti and and macaroni. Okay. And they competed with the, you know, what it is is that there used to be quite a few of these macaroni factories in New Orleans that were owned by the Italians. So, Mm -hmm. yes, Gendwa competed with all these Italian companies. So... Yep. Well,
0: that's really that's really interesting. Yes,
1: and not just noodles; they also imported olives from Italy. So, you know, Lila Sim's brother-in-law was his business partner, partner Liloipu, and Liloipu spoke fluent Italian. Uh, his sons, I think, his uh, grandson says that he he spoke. No, it was his son. His son says that his father spoke better Italian than English. So, yeah.
0: Well, I guess if you were.
1: Dealing with Italians most of all the time, time in yeah. the French
0: Quarter—that's what you would speak. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and and having Italians as your business partners and, and importing olives from Italy. So, yeah, oh,
0: that's really exciting. Yes. I, I like learning about
1: that. Again, one of these. Again, it's like these inter these mixing of these different cultures. So, yep, definitely. I mean, the Chinese are in the French Quarter at the same time. The Italians are in the French Quarter. So there was intermarriage between those two communities. Sure. So uh, both communities understand a a good plate of noodles. So, yeah, a great deal of mixing between those two cultures.
0: Yes. Okay, so what do we need to take away from this this discussion of Yakamein?
1: There are two kinds of Yakamein out there. Well, there's an extinct Chinatown Yakamein, but the two modern forms of Yakamein is there's this Creole Yakamein, which are produced by African-Americans, and then you've got the modern chinese yakamein that you usually get in these chinese restaurants and uh they're all very different but they do seem to have a common origin with the Chine- this historic chinese community that in that we had all over the country and uh yakamein is a uh, it's not just a new orleans thing anymore it really is just something we find all over north america
0: so Winston, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been really a fun conversation, and I think we need to uh, do some follow-up.
1: Yes, we definitely need to talk about some of the history of of these restaurants as well, because Yakamein, we're finding it in the House of Lee. We're finding it in the Chinese Kitchen on Carrollton. So historic restaurants in New Orleans have had Yakamein as well. So one day we need to talk about the history of these restaurants as well. We might
0: have to do that over lunch. Yes. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.